Coming up on today's show, another big weekend of basketball coming up to look forward to what do each of the Big Ten's tournament teams have to gain this weekend. And also, this alliance thing's been going on for a while, and after a whole lot of nothing so far, what exactly is it? We still don't know. I'm getting tired of it. We'll talk about that all here on Locked On Big Ten. You are Locked On Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, welcome into Locked On Big Ten, and thank you for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every weekday. Everything you need to know about the conference every day of the week. Coming up on today's show, a big weekend of basketball is coming up for a lot of tournament hopefuls. So, what can the bubble teams do to try and secure their position in the field of 68? We'll talk about all of it here as we look ahead to the weekend in the Big Ten. And also, the Alliance hasn't really done all that much since the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12 agreed to be on the same team, I guess. We'll talk about exactly what's going on right now with this Alliance still and why I'm kind of tired of it already. That's coming up here on the show. But first we got to get into everything that you may have missed from over yesterday, including the games from yesterday as well. Now, a couple of matchups from last night. Maryland faced off against Indiana, a game in which the Hoosiers picked up a big, big win, 74-64. Indiana is right on the edge of that tournament bubble as we get into the last week of the season. So the Hoosiers, of course, pick up that win. They've got another opportunity this weekend to pick up another win. Neither of them will be big statement wins. And honestly, it's more like you kind of have to win them to avoid falling off the teams that Indiana is playing against. But it's at least one job done in beating Maryland and the Terrapins by 10 at home for Indiana. Ranked matchup last night. Number 22, Ohio State beat number 15, Illinois. Final score, 86 to 83. A big comeback at the end by Illinois. They were down by double digits with less than, I think, four minutes left it was. And Illinois came back big. I don't know how much credit you give to Illinois for that comeback or for Ohio State kind of letting Illinois get back into that game. But either way, Illinois made it close at the end, made it really, really exciting at the end, actually. And when it got to that point, EJ Liddell just had himself a night. Came up with some clutch plays, both with the ball and defensively had a big block as well. He, he was really, really good for Ohio State and pushed Ohio State to a road victory over a team that, again, it had just given up the big comeback to and a good job by Ohio State not letting itself completely unravel. Of course, plenty of questions to be answered and we'll have questions for Jay Stevens next week. But as things stand right now, I think you just got to be happy that you're able to, after letting it all kind of fall apart, just walk away with a nice road win here in the last week of the season. So those are the two games from yesterday. And here's how those two games end up affecting the way that we look at the NCAA tournament picture now. Joe Lenardi posted a full 68 team bracket earlier today. So we have now from him the list of all nine teams who are still in the tournament right now, according to Joe, but again, it's getting close. Purdue's a two seed, Wisconsin is a three, Illinois is a four. Ohio State's a 5, Iowa's a 6, and Michigan State's a 7. So some even distribution there. And really, all of those teams I consider right now pretty safe. I don't think they need to really do anything in the Big Ten tournament if they stay where they're at right now. Obviously, if they stay where they're at right now. But I think even with a rough last week here, all these teams are kind of safe enough or clear enough from the border to be able to kind of say, all right, we should be in here. Let's worry about positioning. 
Now there's three teams who I think have kind of now separated themselves and fallen a little behind. And they could, if they keep faltering, end up out of this tournament at the end. We have Michigan and Rutgers along with Indiana. Michigan and Rutgers now both as 11 seeds, according to Joe Lenardi. Indiana's just the second to last team in still, even after winning yesterday. And that puts them at a 12 seed now. Again, there is one bid that is a little bit uh, shaky as to as far as like the automatic bids go. So there could be an extra spot to go in there, depending on what happens between, I believe it was a Northern Iowa game coming up later on. Yes, it was. Uh, but that's information for later. Right now, it's just there's nine teams in, but really it's three teams that we have to kind of worry about maybe not getting in at the end of the season. That's Michigan, Rutgers, and Indiana. Those are the three that are still kind of fighting to be in the tournament at all. Everybody else, of course, still playing big games, but just fighting to get their positioning in the field of 68. At least that's where I put it. Crazier things have happened. That's all I had for Lenardi. I was making sure real quick that that's all I had as far as his updates go. Yes, that is. So we'll get into what Big Ten teams have to do this weekend here in just a minute. As we mentioned, last week of the season is coming up. So what does every team that's playing this weekend have to gain? What are the things that teams can do if they win and what happens if they end up losing? We'll be talking about like what we think will happen, but what could be the possible effects? That's coming up in just a minute here on Locked On Big Ten. Well, March Madness is only so far away, everyone, and that means you need to start thinking now about where you're going to be running your brackets this year. Are you going for the usual or are you looking for the best? We've done our homework here and we're running our brackets with runyourpool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick X, both really fun in their own way. They have options to edit scoring. They offer more intel to make your picks. All the stuff you wouldn't find on your standard bracket sites like an ESPN or a CBS. If you've got a business, Run Your Pool can help you take some of that madness magic and play alongside your employees or even gain customers too. We're going to be running our own pools here at Locked On with RunYourPool.com as well. Stay tuned for more on that. So if you want to make sure that you're getting a little bit extra this year with your pool, because if you've been doing it for a while now, you know bracket pools are pretty much the same every year. If you want to try and switch it up, if you're tired of the old thing, or just want something more on top, because honestly, people can't get enough of this March Madness stuff, head on over to runyourpool.com and make sure that you're getting the best. You can use our link too, runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to get a cash prize as well, because we're going to be making our own brackets too. That's runyourpool.com, the place to go for your brackets this year. It can be hard getting through these last days of winter, whether it's actually getting out of bed to go to the gym or just kind of getting through your work day. It's that end of this season where we're kind of just waiting for the sun to come out still and just tired of all this snow that can be some of the most dragging on your body, not just your mind too. So if you need to get yourself that extra boost of energy to make sure you can get through again a workout or just your day, head on over to built.com and check out the Built Bar products of protein bars, powders, and really anything else you could think of too. It's the protein bar that looks and tastes like a candy bar. They've got all sorts of new flavors coming out. All the bars have 100% chocolate, and when you take it out of the packaging, you're going to be thinking you're looking at a candy bar. It does not look like a protein bar, granola bar, anything like that. It looks like a candy bar, tastes like a candy bar too. And again, new flavors coming out all the time for you to make sure that you're getting exactly what you might be craving. 
out of your built bars. So head on over to built.com right now. Use our promo code locked on to get 15% off. It's locked 15, actually, not locked on. Locked 15 to get 15% off your order at built.com. Built bar, all the protein products you could ever need. Again, from bars, the little gel shots they got, the little powders you put into drinks. Go over to built.com and check it out. You don't need to hear me talk about it anymore. Head on over there. Use our code locked 15. And again, Built Bar is your place to go for anything that you need to get through your day. Welcome back into Locked On Big Ten. Big games this weekend, big implications for teams as we get into the final stretch of the regular season. The one thing you want to be if you're a Big Ten team on the edge here is to have as little work to do possible going into that Big Ten tournament because you know that if you have one slip up there, the whole season's done possibly. So, what do teams need to do here this weekend, before we talk again, to make sure that they can secure the wins that can get them in those best positions? There's a lot of teams right on that bubble playing this weekend with opportunities to pick up big wins. Let's start off with Iowa and Nebraska tonight. Now, this isn't one of the biggest ones here, but I Iowa is, as far as I'm concerned, pretty safe here. Nebraska is pretty far out, though, so if there was going to be a loss that really put the Hawkeyes back a step and potentially put them back in question, it would be losing to Nebraska. I don't anticipate that. Iowa should be able to take care of these Cornhuskers. But again, it's the Big Ten. You can never say anything too presumptuously. Also, Purdue against Michigan State could be a really, really, really good one. I think that Michigan State, after that bounce back or after that big, big loss before, at least has to bounce back in some way, right? I don't know if it still has enough to beat Purdue. I don't know if it has enough to match up with that Purdue size for a full 40 minutes and be able to knock off a Boilermaker team that's trying to fight to get back on the one line. But right now, this Michigan State team kind of needs it more, I feel. It's been trying to get uh, Tom Izzo that win to tie Bob Knight's Big Ten wins record in a, for a while, even though I don't think that's a huge kind of motivation for Izzo or the team. He kind of knows that's going to come. The team isn't worried about that all too much. But I expect a good game. I can't say I expect a Michigan State win, but this is going to be where I first point out something that I'm going to be really interested to see if it happens over this weekend. And that's what happens if like Michigan State loses a close one here. Where do those teams end up falling and how much do they end up falling in these rankings and projections and algorithms if a team has a close loss here at the end to a really good team? Because we've got a few of these. We've got the Purdue-Michigan State game. We've got Rutgers playing Wisconsin. We've got Michigan playing Illinois. So with all these games, the question for me is, say they lose, but it's close. Especially for those teams that are right on the bubble there. What does that end up doing for the tournament chances? What does it end up doing for all the mathematics and everything that everybody has to try and formulate what they think is going to happen? But at the same time, what does it do? And how far down does it make them fall? Because I'm not too concerned that much if, say, Rutgers loses to Wisconsin by only a couple of points, right? In fact, I might even be saying, hey, that's kind of a good mark on the Rutgers record, is it not? Being able to not beat Wisconsin, but say that, hey, we can play with the Wisconsin any night of the week? I mean, that's part of the tournament resume. Good losses, right? So if you get a good loss, what does that mean compared to, like, especially, like, the mid-major schools who aren't picking up really any losses? You know, th this is the big debate every year. Is it a mid-major school that's overperformed or some sort of major 
team that's kind of either struggling or had bad losses or just not the record. What do the good losses do here at the very, very end when you put him into the mathematics everybody's been using the entire season? If Rutgers, who's right on the bubble, loses to Wisconsin by, say, less than five, how far down do they go and would they fall out of the tournament? Right now, I think they're like six, seven teams out. I don't think they fall out of the tournament at all if they lose, even if there's a whole bunch of other teams right below them that win. They'll drop down, other teams will go up, but I don't see them falling out of, say, like the last four in, in the projections, even if they lose that game and make it look good. If they get blown out, again, if you're like six, seven teams out like Rutgers, maybe even then you don't even go out from there. But it's something where I'm very interested to see what is the value of that good loss? Because at this point in the season, yes, it's a good loss, but there's a difference from saying in November that the good losses are going to help you in March. And then here at the end, when it's really coming down to it, trying to say that a loss is a good loss. Because when it gets down to the last end of the week, you're going to be ending up just looking at the record and saying, well, yeah, it was a good loss, but we're kind of getting down to the nitty gritty here. And it was still a loss, was it not? So if that happens to any of these teams, these teams that are looking for tournament positioning, I'm interested to see at any level, but really at where that bubble's breaking, where is a one good loss here this weekend, of all weekends, going to move you? So that's kind of what I'm looking at for a Michigan State side against Purdue, but really more so with like a Rutgers at home against Wisconsin or a Michigan playing at home against Illinois. Both those teams right at the edge of the tournament bubble with a little bit of room right now. I'm interested to see, do they fall down two, three, two teams, three teams? It's going to be really, I think, something that I'm going to be looking at more than anything if, the, if it happens. Who knows what will actually happen in the games. Moving on to more of what will actually happen in the games. Wisconsin is playing against Rutgers at home for Rutgers. So this is a game, again, that's set up to be at least a good one at the very least. I like the way that Wisconsin and Rutgers match up as well. I think if you're a Scarlet Knights fan, you got to be thinking that maybe you can run with what Wisconsin does because you got to came same kind of style on both sides, really, if, at least if you ask me. These two teams know how to run up and down the court. They know how to go on really, really hot scoring stretches, and they both know how to play with the best, obviously, defensively, too. Rutgers knocking off Purdue at home earlier in the season. Wisconsin's been one of the most impressive teams in all of the Big Ten all season, of course. So, obviously, a huge opportunity. If Rutgers wins this game, maybe they are safe from now on. But if they lose, again, I don't think it's going to be enough to knock them out of the tournament, but it puts them back in danger. And that's just not where you want to be going, not the direction you want to be headed in as we get closer and closer to Selection Sunday. So... Rutgers, obviously, with one that it would really, really love to have in that game. Michigan's at home against Illinois, too. Now, the Illini faced off against Michigan before. It was a good one then. Hunter Dickinson did not play. He will be playing in this game. The question becomes, I think, again for Michigan, how are they able to slow down everything that Illinois is able to do? Because, again, playing without Jawan Howard, everyone comes back for Michigan and plays in this game for the Wolverines. So with Hunter Dickinson back in the fold, what does that mean now that we have full strength against full strength? This Michigan team has not been itself all season. It's trying to prove right now that it is a tournament-worthy team. So this game matters that much more to their resume than, say, another team in the same spot. Because Michigan's argument right now is that we were a young team early. We didn't know what we were doing early. Now that we've figured it out, we are more than capable of being competitive in this NCAA tournament. So these games at the end 
they're claiming, they're trying to sell you on, are more important than the games that you had in the beginning. So it's that much more important that Michigan looks good here at the end than it did, say, early on. Fair or not, that's what Michigan is trying to sell the committee, that they've improved greatly over time. So being able to beat an Illinois team right now with your team back at full strength, that would be a great testament to that kind of a fact that, hey, we're a lot better now. We are good enough to make it into this tournament. And if you put it in, we can be a second weekend team. We can be a final four team. We've got that kind of talent. Preseason number six over here. We've gotten what you need, what you want. You know that. So that's the Michigan argument. They've got a game to try and add to that argument here against Illinois. Of course, Illinois is trying to get in those top four seeds in the NCAA tournament as well. So they've got a lot to play for here too. Obviously, the regional advantages and things matter as far as that goes. So the Illini have a lot to play for. Michigan has a ton to play for, of course. That may be the game of the weekend, and I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how it plays out. Again, with all the matchups that we've kind of wanted to see going to be out there and hopefully in full force on a Sunday. So what do the wins do? I think it makes everyone pretty safe. Losses, you're right back in the danger zone again. I think that's just the way it is for Rutgers and for Michigan. Obviously, Illinois, Wisconsin, Purdue, Michigan State. They're all just fighting for the positioning, Iowa too. But it really is the nitty-gritty now. That's the point of all this, is that we're getting down to the last week of the season. we got to talk about Big Ten tournament seedings. We haven't even gotten into double buys and stuff yet. There's a whole lot to go over, and we're going to be getting into it heavy here in this next week. Before we end this week, though, I, I want to talk about more of this alliance that the Big Ten has with the Pac-12 and the ACC, because it, it seems like it hasn't done anything, and it's just upsetting people so far. Uh, we'll talk more about it in just a minute. You're on Locked On Big Ten. Bet Online is the place to go for all of your sports betting needs, whether you want to put a money on a game or put a future on who's going to win MVP, maybe who's going to win the NCAA tournament this year, who's going to win this Big Ten game this weekend, any of it. You can go to Bet Online right now and get started for free by signing up there at betonline.net. Again, it's where the game starts. BetOnline is your place to go, not just to get your bets in, but also to learn about all the games. Make sure you have every single edge that you could before making your decision and putting your money where your mouth is. It's BetOnline, where the game starts. Back here one last time on Locked On Big Ten. Nate Dickinson with you here. We're going to end things talking a little bit about stuff that honestly really isn't even news, but I was... A little bit confused when I read the headline just about what's going on with this alliance, really, because we've heard just only a couple of things from this since it was established more than half a year ago, and I'm still just right now kind of over it already. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know how it's supposed to help. It, it's really just an alliance in name. Still, it seems there has yet to be any sort of real kind of formation of, I don't know, unity of anything as far as scheduling games or anything actually on the field goes or even money or anything like that. I don't know what to expect. I've been given no hints as to what to expect and it's just really confusing me here. So uh, what happened recently was there was again the vote recently to uh, expand the college football playoff from four to 12 teams. It was voted no by a score of eight to three in 11 votes and all three of the conferences in the alliance, the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12, all voted no to expand. So what does that mean? I don't know, really. And again, the Big Ten and everybody else has said that there was no like collaboration in that vote itself. But it seems like some other people think there may be. And it's not making other people happy. 
and it seems like this alliance has not made anyone happy yet. And I'm not really sure what to do. Like the Big Ten said, whatever it was like a month ago, that it's not going to change its conference football schedule for the Alliance. So while it will schedule more games against those teams, it's not going to work around what it's doing to schedule those games. Now it seems like the Alliance is just upsetting other people. I understand why you did it at the time. Things were starting to possibly fall apart. You wanted to make things at least a little bit stable again. So you come together and say, hey, we're working together here on whatever's going to happen next. It's been more than half a year again now. These schools haven't done anything. These conferences haven't done anything to help each other, really at all, except for saying that, hey, I'm on this guy's team, right? They're not going to make any concessions. We've been over that. The Big Ten isn't going to just say, why would I give you a, a Big Ten team to have a home game against when I could give one of my other Big Ten schools a game to have a home game against one of my marquee teams. Why would I take that away, that money away from my conference and give it to you? What are you giving to me back, ACC and Pac-12? None of the schools are in any way going to live up to at least the name that we have outside of what, maybe a Florida State or USC, possibly UCLA, I don't know. There's of course big games to be had in here, but the Big Ten's still at the top of this pyramid if you're looking at these three conferences. Big Ten's still the strongest, if you ask me, as far as football and basketball goes. So, as far as the Big Ten, I don't see any need to make concessions. And it's really just, I feel like, going to be still selective power. But nobody's selecting to use any of that power. Even people are saying, hey, these conferences work together on this thing. They're denying that. So, if you're not going to work together on the paperwork side of things and you're not going to work together on the actual on the football field side of things and scheduling games and things like that what is this nobody knows still and at the time it happened that was okay because nobody knew anything when oklahoma and texas decided to bolt for the sec that was the right time to do it but now it's just been some time and people have seemingly just let it sit there i don't know what the point is all right, that's it for Locked On Big Ten here today. We'll be back Monday with more on everything that happens over the weekend, of course. Until then, I am Nate Dickinson. You've been listening in to Locked On.